Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Everybody to DMT episode 129. I'm your host Frank Branches, alongside the zombie book extraordinaire author uh, Jack Wallen. Jack, how are you? I am quite good. Quite good. Yes. Despite the weather. <laughs> I heard you're uh, experiencing some, uh, you know, cold weather over there. It's, well, you know, we go from cold, and this is kind of typical where I'm, where I live. You know, we'll have. It'll be winter, and then all of a sudden, spring starts to drag its its you know rotten carcass out of the ground, and it <laughs> says, "Hey, here's you a seventy degree day." Right. And then the next day, winter says, "Uh, uh, uh," and it gives us a thirty or forty degree day. Uh, so yeah. our si- sinuses and allergies and and everything just goes haywire. Yeah, uh, I I know that feeling, Jack. I, I always have sinus issues. Yeah. Man. Well, you, you live in a similar situation to me. Isn't Denver kind of in a bowl? Yeah, well, it's sort of. It, it's got the mountains on the, uh, what is that, the the west side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, the mountains are actually really good. They keep a lot of the cold on the other side of the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, you know, we do get those times when it's really warm and then all of a sudden you'll get this cold dose. But the cool thing about Colorado is usually if it's cold in the morning, it's warm and sunny in the oh, afternoon. Oh, really? That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kat's on assignment this week. Uh, she may be joining us in a bit. Um, not entirely sure, but uh, hopefully she'll join us for this episode of uh, DMT. I've, I've got a few announcements, uh, Jack. Mm-hmm. Um one of them pretty major, which I will actually, they're all kind of major. I'll, I'll just announce them in order here. I wanted to make mention, this is normally a headshot, but I wanted to do it at the beginning 
Um, the guys over at the um, Nothing to Lose movie, which should be coming out either late this year or early next year. It's an animated zombie movie that um, uh, I just looked at a lot of the posters. I've been interacting with the guys over there. It, it, it's going to be cool. Uh, there's not a lot of zombie apocalypse movies um, that are in the animated style. So... I hope you guys go over to Facebook.com, uh, look up Nothing to Lose movie with uh, periods in between on Facebook. Check check out the new, um, uh, what do you call those, uh, posters for the um, the movie. They sent me some, some produ- production art, which I'll try to put in the uh, show notes and stuff like that. So make sure you check them out and they're also on twitter nothing to lose uh the movie or nothing to lose movie um second announcement is later on in this show i had the absolute absolute privilege as i get a little beep here um of uh interviewing um kevin ward the actor and producer of a movie called hans crippleton talk to the hans it's kind of a b B movie, uh, B zombie movie, which I I thought it was a riot. Um, it was really really cool. So, and also Jimmy Lee, Jimmy Lee Combs with Heart and Fire Productions, who helped direct and uh, produce the movie, and you know do all that stuff. It's a low budget. It, it's it's a riot. Um, I was just talking to you, Jack, about about the movie. I I got a chance to watch it and. Go check out. I mean, it, it's off beat. It's off kilter. It's funny as hell. Uh, it's got shocking moments. It's got gore. It's got everything that you want in a zomcom for sure. Um, and it's unique. It's unlike anything I've ever seen, which is high praise from me. So go check it out. Uh, look it up online. Uh, Hans Crippleton. H A N S. And Crippleton, however you imagine that's spelled. Every um, time you say that, I think Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah, exactly, man. It's uh, but it's a riot, man. Uh, I I I hope they get a distri- distribution deal. They're working on it, and it's uh, it's gonna be cool stuff, man. Um, the movie is actually really cool. The character's unforgettable. Um, <laughs> Kevin Ward is is great in the movie, and I hope you guys enjoy the interview at the end of this show um third announcement um this is a tough one for me jack i've been doing this show for you know a while um and uh it's coming to an end i think it's appropriate that uh after this episode we'll have two more episodes obviously to wrap up the walking dead and uh tie any loose ends that we may have so uh we'll have two more uh, shows after this one, but after that, there will will be no more DMT. Um, I, I have different priorities in my life, and uh, I need to uh, take a step back and kind of reprioritize and and um, you know put the things that are most important to me in my life. I've I've accomplished everything that I could possibly accomplish with DMT. I've been in a comic book. I've interacted. I've interviewed. Um, you know, dozens of great people in the zombie community. Um, I've proven my point and <laughs> I'd, I'd rather leave on a, a very high note with such great people like yourself and Kat 
then to continue doing it, not put my my full effort in, into the show. But while we're here, we're we're gonna do, uh, you know, we're gonna have a good three shows. So, um, you know, I I I've appreciated everything from everybody and and uh, you know this community. I mean, I, I in my wildest imagination, I couldn't have you know understood the heights that DMT has reached with the Zombie Research Society. Um, you know, meeting great people like the Doctor of the Dead, um, you know, interacting and, and co-hosting with, with such great people like Zombie Rick and uh, Dead Man Matt. And even the Doctor of the Dead himself was uh, for a short time co-host. And, and of course, you, Jack, and, and Kat. Uh, so, you know, my hats are off to everybody that's supported this show, and I hope we can have... Um, a wonderful three episode run and and really go out with a bang pun intended so <laughs> um so yeah jack those are the announcements uh why don't we get right into uh this week's edition of dmt sure. um we have skipped a couple episodes of the walking dead uh i'm not gonna really summarize all of them um but I will say that um, Walking Dead's pace has slowed, and I'm on the fence of whether or not that's a good or bad thing, Jack. Yeah, you know, um, I have to say that, and my wife and I actually agreed on this, that this last episode was one of the best episodes of this season, I think. And I think that this season is one of the best seasons so far. Mm-hmm. But... I think that the um the the pace of the of this of the season has indeed come come to a crawl but I think it's for a reason. I yeah. think they're this is the calm before the storm. You know, I mean they they they're doing they're doing what they typically do, you know, the middle of the season kind of starts to bog down, mm-hmm. get uninteresting and then bam, yeah. they hit you at the end. You know, and and this 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 I'm afraid that what's going to happen is this season's going to be just another governor arc. They're, it's going to it's going to crumble, and then they're going to be back out on the street, and, and it's going to be another one of those. Well, they found some place, it, it it fell apart, and they're back to where they started from. You, you've alluded to that, Jack, but I think they can handle it a bit differently this time. You know, I mean, they this time they've found a respite, right? They've actually right. found what, what they expected Woodbury to be. Right. You know? Right. Um, so yeah, you're right. This is what Woodbury should have been. Right. Right. Um, so I think if they handle this a little differently, maybe have an outside group that comes in and totally destroys this edition of Woodbury, mm-hmm. um, and, and then put them out on their ass, maybe kill right. off a few characters. Uh, I thought, Glenn was going to get it last I did episode, too. to be honest with I did you, too. but that didn't happen. But I think, uh, I honestly think that would be a better way of going about it. It's kind of wronging the Woodbury angle, um, yeah. or writing the Wood, Woodbury angle from a very, very mm-hmm. bad wrong. Like, uh, the way they handled that, in my opinion, was, was just not the right way of doing yeah, it. Was, yeah, it was so. terrible. I would honestly, I would rather see, see the gang take over this new place, get rid of the people that are in it, and then they would wind up having a home base operation. 
You mean you mean uh, our current gang of Rick and the gang? Yeah, like, just yeah. Kick, Rick... kick everybody out, and then you know, yeah. yeah I... Only because it, it just you know the the idea that each season is just another. It, it's 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 becoming formulaic. Mm-hmm. Where the beginning of the season, they're searching for a place to stay. The middle of the season, they find a place to stay. The end of the season, they lose the place to stay. Well, what do you what do you make of um, uh, the priest uh, making his plea to I, I can never remember names, uh, but um, to the woman, the the leader of the group? Yeah, uh, I honestly, man, I, I'm I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say the probably the popular unpopular opinion here. And say that that was some really shitty writing. Yeah. Because I, all of a sudden, it's like he has no reason to say that. I mean, the only the only thing that, that you can think of that that spurns him on to do this is the moment where he was watching them kill those people. But he knew that they had to kill those people in order for everybody to survive. And you know what's funny is he did the same thing himself for self-preservation. I think it's just a more of a, a self-preservation thing. Oh, than, I do too. Anything, I do know. too. But but the but the thing is is it's it's just like out of nowhere. It's like all of a sudden there he is, and he's he's just ratting them out. Yeah, it was out of place for sure. Yeah. I mean, here how ungrateful he is. I mean, they'd saved his ass what two, three times, and and yeah. he's calling them out as bad people. Which you know what? There's there's some merit to that. Yeah. I mean, well, sure. In a zombie but, apocalypse, I don't think anybody is going to be lily white. You know what I mean? I think. oh, I agree. But here's the thing: from from just a production standpoint, you're watching this episode, and and then the first thing on my mind was, did I miss something? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I haven't missed anything. I paid close attention to it. And all of a sudden, here's the priest again ratting him out. But you're asked thinking, why? And not just why is he doing this, but why did they write it like this? Right, right. It was awkward and and out of place. Maybe... Maybe it's all going to come to a conclusion in the final two episodes. Maybe, but, maybe. And, and we'll get more clarity. But yeah. it was. It was completely out of place. And this I, is and this is another fault of theirs where, you know, they get to the last few episodes and they start throwing more crap in. Yeah. yeah. It's like, don't do that. Wrap up what you've got because you've already got a lot of threads hanging. Either wrap them up or, or, or you know— rattle them a little more, you know, but don't throw something else into the mix. You know what I think it is, Jack? I think they're setting up the, the priest to be killed off. Because, oh, yeah, of course you know, they I are. Mean, that, that's, I mean, it's pretty apparent. I right. mean, the writers didn't, didn't have any clue how to make us feel um, like he, it was okay to kill him off, and this yeah. is a great way to this do This gives that. them it, the reason. Yeah, but, you know, this excuse. this kind of ties into one of the other issues that I, I've had with the last few episodes. Mm-hmm. Especially this last one. And my wife and I talked about it and she disagrees with me, but, um, and it may be a male female thing, but it seems to me there was out of nowhere, all of a sudden, this dude, we, sus- we suspect this dude is, is abusing his wife and his son. Mm-hmm. There was no indication of it anywhere. You know, we didn't get that. We didn't get the hint of the wife having a bruise, or the on, the absolute only hint we got was her possible infidelity with Rick, and that doesn't make that doesn't mean she's being abused. You know what? That's a good point, Jack. I I think I actually agree with you that there, there was no indication on that either. Um, and I just, I know people hide this shit. I know people right. hide it all the time, but we're not talking about reality. 
Right. We're talking about a television the, series, and there was a, a, a leap of logic there. Yep, yep. I agree with that. Um, it's, again, another lazy writing technique yeah. to make us feel uh, sympathy for Rick and that lady's affair. You know what yeah. I mean? That's the, It's just lazy writing. It, yeah, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, that's okay then. Right, right. Which it's not. I mean, it, but it's obviously not right. The domestic abuse, whatever's going on there, whether it's right. emotional, uh, physical, or verbal. You know, there's no no question that that guy's an abuser. But it, like you said, it's just a, a convenient excuse. You know, and that's yeah. that's that. You're right, Jack. I mean, I'm I'm glad you picked up on that. I'm wondering what people think about that too, because. Um, this is a touchy subject, especially with oh, what's going on in the NFL. Believe me, and, you, know. you know, I just I just published a book um, that deals with this subject, and I wound up having to go back into the description of the book on Amazon and adding, you know, warning: this book, you know, deals with, you know, domestic abuse and rape and all that. Yeah. And it's like it's it writing the book was hard yeah. and and it's just no matter how you touch on this subject it's not easy and there's there's no easy path right and and, and the idea that they they may you know that they may deal with the subject is 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 honorable that they will especially if they do it do it well mm-hmm. of course doing that you know dealing with that subject well is hard yeah and and you know what i what i foresee coming out of this is is um them displaying rick taking absolute control of the situation yeah and and getting everybody and allowing everybody to trust him again even i'm not talking about the just the 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 characters i'm talking about the audience yeah yeah see because he needs to be a hero again because he has he's kind of unraveled yeah, and and see that's the part of Rick that I actually like when they write him that way. You know, yeah. when they when they stick with that theme of uh, of his you know descent kind of into madness and yeah. and stuff like that. Like that that type of stuff to me is very right. appealing. Sure. And it's 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 harder to write that way than it is to do what they're doing with these convenient excuses for affairs and, right, and right. convenient excuses to off people and, right. and well stuff you know like that. you can when if let's you know say the apocalypse does come and you're in a group and there's one particular person that has proven himself that he proven that he can lead but he does so in a in a strange manner and he constantly is battling his own demons but he's mm-hmm. still ever at every turn able to lead you right. to safety you're going to stick with that guy right right um i did like the um scene in the turnabout the you know when when they oft um, everybody hates chris I, did, I forget his character's name yeah. too um i did like that scene that was pretty intense and and yeah seems about right you know i mean somebody caring about themselves more than the 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 group um, Glenn had a really good idea to get that gun. And, yeah, and the, the I was, was I was actually idiot. surprised that they didn't let Glenn sh- kill that man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I I think it's pretty poignant though. Like he's just sitting there, and and all of a sudden he's dying. You know? Oh, you oh, mean the, the guy that 
that um, did that. I, I was surprised that too. I thought he was going to do that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he got in a few punches and then he walks away, yeah. which, you know, of course makes him the better man. But, you know, it, it in that situation, it was like, it was so obvious the man really only cared about himself. It would have, it would have taken everything in my power not to kill that guy. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not a violent person, but in those circumstances with... Well, it's the, it's not just that. It's that, you know, you're in the apocalypse. Being with someone who only has their themselves in mind mm-hmm. is dangerous. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he's he's a loose cannon. I yeah. Mean, that... that I mean, maybe they're setting up uh, him to die in, in a gruesome fashion as well, maybe. Jack. And again, more lazy writing, you know, yeah. it's just, just the way that it is. Yeah. But, and that's that's just um, one of the things about you just have to accept about the show is that, pardon me, is that there's going, it's the ebbs and flows aren't always right. level. Yeah, it's not going to be perfect. Like um, I finished uh re-watching breaking bad and mm-hmm. you know what every, every once i mean that's a great series like oh it, yeah it's i in my opinion from top to bottom yeah it, but but there are occasional moments where you're like the ebbs and flows just aren't quite right but that's a minor minor thing you know what i mean like you can if you have a, a great series like that and i think for the most part walking dead has been pretty great um, but there are some some ebbs and flows that really fuck with the um, the karma of that show. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, well, let's move on to a different show uh, that you saw, Jack. Yeah. which I'm I'm really intrigued. I I really want to watch it. Uh, you got a chance to see, mm-hmm. I believe, just the pilot or the first episode of yeah. I Zombie. Yeah, it's really funny because on Facebook I get I kept getting, you know. Uh, Message after message. Is this based on your series? Because my the series, my zombie series, is called the I Zombie series. Don't, don't you wish you could have royalties to that? You know, man. it's like I and I actually, <laughs> after watching the show, I was like, I can assure you that this series and my show have zero to do with one another. Nothing. Yep. <laughs> and and I can say that actually, I can say that I'm glad they don't. I'm glad on a number of levels. I'm glad mm-hmm. that my show is not that show because I would never have written that show. Is it good um, or bad? It's it's cute. Mm-hmm. It's kitschy, mm-hmm. and it's kitschy on just the right level. Now it's it's, pu- it's purely a zomcom, right? It's a it is a comedy. You know, I'll be honest with you. It's just barely. A zombie, a show about a zombie. Hmm. The reason why it is barely just a show about a zombie is I have a feeling that that might wind up becoming sort of secondary. Mm -hmm. I think the primary thrust of the show is going to be um, it's a procedural show. It's Hmm. a police procedural comedy that stars a a zombie. Now, is there is there good makeup? Is there any any um, gore there, or anything like that? Or there has no no. There's not a lot. Um, the makeup is is uh, like the only only moment they had any real zombie makeup was her in a haunted house. So it was it was intentionally kind of sticky. Huh. But the good thing is is that it doesn't take itself seriously. Hmm. Well, that's um, a good thing. And 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 the idea behind it is actually quite unique you know she is a she she was a a brilliant medical student mm-hmm. she tur- gets turned into a zombie and now she works in a morgue as a coroner mm-hmm. and um when she eats the brains of victims she gets these flashes of what happened at their at their demise mm-hmm. 
You know, this is weird, Jack. I read a comic book. I don't know if you do you read comics at all, mm-hmm. Jack? Um, well, I used to a lot, but I stopped for a long time. I'm going to start reading them again because I miss it. <laughs> There's a comic out there if you ever get a chance to. It's called Chew, mm-hmm. and it, I think it's an image comic, and mm-hmm. that's kind of the the crux of that. It's well, it's this was of, a comic too. Yeah, I, I, it's I, a vertical yeah, comic, I think. right? Um, but it, it, this person, if, if they eat a piece of the person's flesh that died yeah. or whatever, they get flashbacks right. and that's just what it reminded me of. Right. Uh, and it and, had and kind I, of a com- comedic twist to it. Too. I, I think that this show has got some legs, but it's all going to depend on, on if they just try to be a police procedural show, it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. If, if they, if they can keep the right amount of shtick. And, and the right amount of, of cutesiness to it, it, it'll succeed. Do you know the ratings for it at all, Jack? Did it? Did oh, it it's got to well? be. Uh, it's got to be PG. Maybe PG thirteen. No, 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 no. I mean, did, how how many viewers? Oh, uh, I, you know, I don't. I don't know. Um, I can find out really quick. I was, um, I was just going to see if it was already a hit or or. You know, the every re- I I read a lot of reviews this morning and. Everybody, the ratings have been really solid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing, and here is here's my biggest problem with the show, and and this is, I think, becoming indicative of a lot of of shows. Mm-hmm. Last night when we were watching the premiere, I felt like I was watching an episode that had the 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 that was up. It was an episode from a middle from the middle of the season. Hmm. It didn't come out punching. It didn't come out with its best shtick. So the you best know, is yet yet to come. I, I, I think so, opinion. but but I think that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it's the series had two point three million viewers and a point nine rating among oh. adults eighteen to forty nine. I'm not one hundred percent sure. That's very that's good. low. Yeah. Like the the Flash pulled in three point six million and had a one point two rating. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but they but they say that this it's on par with uh, supernatural in the same slot. Huh. Interesting. So, um, but you know I've seen a lot of shows that have premiered with you know it's like like the uh, Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. The premiere was like well it's all right, but then you stick with it and all of a sudden it gets really good. It's like if you're going to premiere a new show, you better come out swinging. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is what's really kind of surprising about this is the fact that it's on the CW. And the CW used to be nothing but a mockery yeah. of television. Yeah. And now they've got The Flash, they've got Arrow, they've got Supernatural, they've got iZombie. It, they've got it's, – it's just an amazing lineup now. I, I've always thought of the CW as always aiming towards the younger audience. The, which, you're right. Which is and, pretty well, smart. And I think iZombie is kind of a YA sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like it's – like, um, it's almost like uh, CSI meets Veronica Mars. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking it up on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't normally like aggregates, but I, I find Rotten Tomatoes to be about Me the too. best one of those, you know, those things. And, and it, it's getting an 88%, which is yeah. really good. Uh, 95% of the audience liked it. So, you know, maybe it'll catch steam. You know, I think so. Um, and I think that, you know, the uniqueness of it, it's it's not it's not leaning heavily on the zombie aspect of it, mm-hmm. which you can't right now. You can't 
you can't lean heavily on the zombie aspect of a show unless you're The Walking Dead right now or you'll get crushed. Well, you'll get crushed um, or you'll be accused of doing what The Walking Dead yeah. is doing. You know, you know and, and that's sad. Yeah. And and I think that the, what's what's what this is bringing what this is highlighting or illustrating is that, you know, we can there's eventually going to be a CSI for every damn city in this country. Yeah. CSI. Um, the, yeah. CSI Hoboken. Yeah. Hoboken. There you go. And and <laughs> but you, you try to do something with zombies and if it's not The Walking Dead, nobody wants to see it. Right. And that's I think that's part of why Z Nation is having trouble because it's not The Walking Dead. It's like, who cares? Bring yeah. it, bring it on. Right. I see Z Nation, you know, is an in, interesting one to to bring up uh Jack because I feel that they're doing something different with that. It's not The Walking Dead, which is refreshing, you know, and right. and, and good. I mean, it's of course it's B-movie caliber stuff. You're not going to get the same effects that you get in The Walking Dead because of course The Walking Dead has fucking Greg Nic- Nicotero, you right, know? I mean, right. you, you're not you're not going to get much better than that. You know, right. I mean that there's there's no question about that. It it, right. it relies a little more on CG and sure. and some other things, but but what they're doing with that show proves that you can do something different, you know, and and right. be okay. Right. I think the ratings are actually pretty decent for, sure. for Z Nation. They're not right. obviously they're not doing Walking Dead numbers. Nobody's right. doing doing that those right. numbers. But um, and, and here's know. something I'll say for anybody wondering if they should watch the I Zombie series. Sure. The main character's name is Liv Moore. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's so, and, and you know, you've probably seen the photo, the pictures. I have, know? yeah. Um, I, it's got, I think it, I think the show can appeal to just about everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where it's going to succeed. It's going to appeal to, you know, anybody that loves B-horror, you mm-hmm. should, you should find something for it. Anybody that loves comedy, you'll find something you know, it, it's it's got a wide range, and and the acting is actually pretty good. I was the girl, ask you the girl playing that. the main characters, she's she's got just the right amount, right qualities to pull it off. That's cool, man. I I need to check it out. I missed the premiere, um, but I'll check it out. I can probably catch it on on demand. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I've been super busy, but um, it's really cool. Um, Jack, I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. I I encourage everybody to watch it because I, anything zombie related, I mean, we all need to watch it. Yeah, because <laughs> if listen- you don't watch it, it's not going to remain. Yeah, right. I mean, and then eventually, Walking Dead will go away, and then what do we have? You know, right, right. An occasional B zombie movie. You know, and just, yeah. just continue to support uh, the zombie movement. Yeah. So, to and speak. you know, it is. I I I strongly believe that when or I think that when The Walking Dead finally does walk off into the sunset, I don't think there will be another show. I, I think that the the networks are going to say, okay, we've, we're done with zombies. Mm-hmm. We're going to move on to something else. And, you know, it's sad. Um, right. and, you know, I, I think that The Walking Dead, the one, the, the popularity of The Walking Dead is such a sharp double-edged sword that it is so popular that once it's done, nobody's going to, everybody's going to be burnt out on it. I sure hope not, Jack. Because I I've, do too. I've I, been enjoying the ride, man, for sure. You know, and, and it's, it's helped to, to um, enable other networks to bring about new horror. Hmm. 
mm-hmm. and and, and the, we're you know we're in a real um, we're in a real boon right now for horror. It's like yeah. the golden age for t- horror TV. Yeah, I, we're, um, I mean history tends to repeat itself, Jack. Yeah, I mean, sure. Back in the fifties, what was it? Fifties. Um, there was a, a major push towards horror movies, oh, yeah, Dracula yeah. and all the universal monster, you know, movies, uh, the, the wolf man, right. invisible man, mummy, you know, all it, the creature from the black lagoon, all, all those type of movies, uh, kind of brought horror to the fro- forefront, obviously you had Hitchcock and then you fast forward what 50, 60 years later, mm-hmm. history, history's repeating itself, except with zombies and yeah. and supernatural type shit and you know stuff like that. So, yeah, it's never been better um, than right now for for horror, which is super cool. TV and movies. Yeah. Um, all right, Jack. Let's let's move on to something. We we always talk about the zombie apocalypse on on DMT, um, and. I don't think I've ever asked this question specifically. It's it's a pretty short topic. I uh, found this on HuffingtonPost.com. If a zombie apocalypse was imminent, what medications should you stock up on to survive? Uh, and they talked to a medical expert here about um, uh, what, you know, what he uh, would uh, bring in a zombie apocalypse as far as medicine goes. Uh, Samsa Kalinin, uh, medical doctor, general practitioner, um, and he goes on to talk about certain things. And here's, uh, should we do ours first before I go through his, or you want to uh, want me to tell you what he his go through are? go through what? I mean, clearly, a doctor is going to know more, so go oh, through what he has to I say. Mean, yeah, well, we're experts on the zombie <laughs> man. So let's 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 see if we grade this. Um, all right, so the first thing, oral rehydration and intravenous – so two different things. Inter, intravenous fluids, obviously, like for hydration. Oral rehydration solutions. Uh, moxifloxacine or floxacine. I think that's um, a um, antibiotic. Oxycodone uh, for pain and pred, prednis, oh boy. prednisone. Pred, prednisone. Uh, and that's like um, cortisone stuff, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it has, um, you know, st- it's for in- inflammatory swelling, yeah. etc., poisonings and envenomation, sure. in- stuff like that. And diazepam, um, which I found kind of odd. I've, I've had um, diazepam before, but um, it's like... Um, uh, it's for suicide. Not that I've been suicidal or anything, but it's like for uh, depressed people yeah. or anxiety yeah. stuff like that. You know. So um, I'm wondering, um, what are your thoughts, uh, Jack? <laughs> what What would you bring? Uh, I'm going to start off by saying that list is ridiculous. It's pretty fucking ridiculous, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 like, who are you catering to? Are you catering to big pharma? Are you catering to people? <laughs> I would say here's what I would say, if if it's if it's coming, and you need to stock up on your, in your medicine cabinet, allergy medication, hmm. even if it's just you know antihistamines, if it's just Benadryls, mm-hmm. or you know Flonase or whatever, painkillers, but I would go for like a leave, or you know, and and I would, 
like I'm allergic to ibuprofen. If I take ibuprofen, my I get the worst stomach cramps and I start mm-hmm. it's just it's in, it's insane. Right. So Aleve and, and Tylenol or whatever you can take. Um and then uh um you know I, I think for every human being it's gonna be different. You know, some people would need like an anti diarrheal or whatever, right. anti diuretic. Not no. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. right. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, so, so allergies, pain, um, and, uh, you know, if you have life-threatening disease. But see, here's the problem. You know, let's be realistic about this. If this were to happen, you're not going to be able to stock up on enough of your heart medication. Right. right. To last you for the rest of your life. No question about that. So the first thing you need to do, I think, this is just my opinion, is find alternatives to what you're taking. Mm-hmm. Find alternatives that are that are readily available. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just say, and I, I don't know this. I don't. This is not truth. This is all. I'm pulling this totally out of my ass. Let's just say you have medication A for your heart, and you find that let's just say rhubarb. You find that rhubarb has a similar effect. You damn well better start learning how to grow rhubarb. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, because you're just simply not going to be able to predict everything. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not going to predict that I'm, I'm going to have a, a urinary tract infection, so I need to stock up on urinary tract pills. Yeah. See, this that's kind of along the lines of my thinking, Jack. I'm, I'm looking at three things, okay? Um, I think the oral rehydration station is definitely something that would be cool, but I don't know how long that shit lasts. Like the saline solutions and the yeah. stuff that you can, you know, put in intravenously into your your veins. Here's a better that, idea for that: get get a um, a filtration pump. Yeah, something like that. Um, well, I I don't think there's any uh, substitution for IVs though, Jack. Like, uh, oh well, no, yeah. If you're... you know, if you need if you need your electrolytes that quick, right. like, and I've been in that position where, yeah. you know, it's been pretty dire. Um, yeah. So I think that's important, but I, I don't know how practical that is. The two things that I would take is any antibiotic that I can possibly yeah. think of. And even those are pretty short term. I think they only yeah. last up to a year, two years. Yeah. But but I would, and and the reason I would, and the oxycodone is not not a bad idea. And I'll tell you why. Um, there are a lot of pill users in our society. Oh, yeah. So yeah. oxycodone and Vicodin and all you know, even marijuana and, yeah. and all that type of stuff is going to get you. A lot of shit in the zombie apocalypse. Sure, you know sure. What I mean, if, if if you can keep hold of it, you know, via weapons, you know, fending off people that mm-hmm. that want it and stuff, you're going to be in a good position um, with yeah. those those things. So those two, three things, I think I would, I would um, definitely carry with me if I could. If 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 the supply was endless, let's say zombie apocalypse breaks out i happen to be near a pharmacy i'm going straight for the oxy and the um uh you know all the antibiotics yeah. that i can get my hands on see those, here's those my problem with the oxy situation because of its because of its nature and its and and how easy it is to become addicted to that mm-hmm. considering the surroundings 
and how miserable people are going to be, mm-hmm. having that nearby would be too much of a temptation for the average person, I think. That's true. Um, I, so I so I we'd wind up with a bunch of, of, of junkies. That's that's also true, but if you're thinking of self-preservation, Jack, well, I can't yeah. think of anything better to have on your side. That and guns, because obviously, if somebody else outguns you, you're you're yeah. screwed anyway. So you know, and I'm not a huge gun guy. I mean, I do like shooting guns at a range and stuff like that, but yeah. I'm not a hunter or anything like that. But um, I think I think those two items would do you just well. Even even something as simple as Tylenol or like you said yeah. ibuprofen. Not in your case, but <laughs> you know, um, naproxen stuff like that yeah. w- could you could probably trade for some food or water sure. or something. Yeah, and that's another thing you got to think about bartering. Yep. What do you have that you know would be valuable? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. you know, money's not going to be money's going to be pointless. Yeah. Oh, which, yeah, no question. <laughs> I, which, you know, I think that that would be one of the reboots our society could really use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't want to go back to the gold standard, but I'm telling you, gold in those situations might do you good, too. You know, yeah. I mean, if you have enough gold and, you know, people, you know, look at gold and they still think it's worth something, then... You know, maybe you could use that as a temporary. I mean, that's what we used to back the dollar with was right, gold. Right. So, well, every time I think about this, I just think of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, they they had no new use for money because everybody did their jobs, and everybody was cared for. And I know yeah. that everybody goes socialism, blah blah blah, communism, blah blah blah. But it's like you know what? <laughs> if it works, if it if we could make if if we didn't have human nature kicking us in the nuts. Every time we t- tried to stand up, then something like that would actually work. Yeah. But unfortunately, know, we have human nature. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I'm not a socialist or communist or anything like that. But you know what? If something ain't working, you got to try something else. You know, yeah. this is the way that it is. And if um, we were really and truly honest with ourselves, <laughs> what would be the answer if we you know, looked in the mirror and said, is capitalism really working? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you look at the big picture and you you go up beyond our country, you know, and you see the the real poverty in the world, then you think, yeah, I guess it is really working. Because there there's there's poverty poverty out there that that our poverty doesn't even touch. It could work if we did it the right way. Yeah, of course. You know. it, it could work if you know, I I think the the faltering point for capitalism is 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 CEOs and greed. Yeah. And greed. Yeah. Sure. Because those those two are hand in hand. Yeah. All right, Jack. I think that uh, puts an end to that discussion. Unless sure. you have anything else. No, um, that's about all I got. I we do have the interview. Which, yes, that's true. Um, you know, if you're listening, might be a little bit of a cut here. But um, why don't we go ahead with the interview with okay. Kevin Ward and Jimmy Lee Combs. Uh, the movie is Hans Crippleton. Talk to the Hans. It's a riot. I've talked a little bit about it. Uh, so here's the interview. All right. We're sitting here with the great Kevin Ward and Jimmy Lee Combs uh, from Heart and Fire Productions. Uh, the latest movie, Hans Crippleton, Talk to the Hans. Um, I, I got a chance to preview it, guys, and I got to say... It's one of the craziest movies I've I've ever seen. 
Yeah. And that's no joke. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Well, it means a lot, Max. I remember last time we were chatting, you were saying you could be pretty critical and, and honest. So we uh, that that means a lot, man. Yeah. Well, before the interview is done, I, I, I have one criticism that I'll I'll pass to you guys. But uh, okay. to be we're ready for it. Yeah, to be honest, though, it's uh, it's just a fun movie. Um, how did you guys get together to, to put this this uh, creation together, guys? Well, we had worked on we had done previous films together and. One of us, I actually think Jimmy said, maybe we can do something about your character, Hans. And since I had been performing as Hans over the years at Haunted Houses, I kind of always did want to develop it into something bigger than that. And then um, when I had the chance to work closely with a filmmaker, it seemed it seemed like a natural move to do that. So I put a script together and then confronted Jimmy about it and asked if he'd be down to do it. And um, it took off from there pretty rapidly, actually. Yeah, you talked about the haunted houses. Uh, the haunted houses are prevalent. Um, I I enjoyed the movie for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons was you guys included a lot of the local haunted houses in the Denver area. I'm I'm from Denver. I'm a, a Denver native. So um, talk about that, Kevin. You you started doing the character in haunted houses. Yeah, which is funny because as obscure as the movie is, it is based in reality a little bit because as Hans, I've um, – well, I'll, I'll go back a step. I, I work for – I do a lot of set design, so I've worked for several haunted houses locally and across the nation alike. And I always take Hans with me because when it's opening day, I always like to jump in and act just for the thrill of it. So Hans really has traveled far and wide to different haunted houses, and I kind of figured that can be like the um, the driving force in this that really created the plot. So with that, I figured, you know, kind of true to what Hans has become, he is, he is kind of an icon now, and he is kind of a celebrity on a small scale because several times I'll be acting at the haunted house and someone will counter me. They'll say, Hans, what's up? And it's someone I've met years ago that I don't remember. (laughs) So, you know, this character was kind of created in real life. And then I thought, you know, a movie can be built around this and it can be um, based off him being a traveling character at these haunted houses that I've actually been to. So I I think I answered your question, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and what's funny with that, what I'll add to that is um, when you see in the film, the, in the opening with the montage, um, when uh, Hans is, yet you see him with shorter hair. And it's been uh, commented on before, you know, if, if like Kevin had wore, wore a wig, you know, with, when he has longer hair for the, for the most of the movie. Um, the longer hair is his real hair and the shorter hair is his real hair. What's, what's fun with that is um, – Kevin was filming himself as Hans all them years back as he started developing the character, um, which was really great. They still had access to that video because we were able to put it into the film. So, you, you know, our audiences kind of literally see the Hans at, kind of at the beginning of his fame, if you will, and um, and his uh, his progression. So when he's got short hair in those beginning montage scenes, um, that was that was really Kevin early on um, starting to develop the Hans character. It it really is a labor of love, guys. Like I'm I'm looking at this movie, and um, I I'll got I got to be honest with you. I'm going to make a com- a comparison. Um, I got the same feeling 
watching this movie that I did when I first watched um, like Toxic Avenger. Uh, and it's not to say that they're similar in any ways, but you don't get that feeling very often. You know what I'm you know what I'm talking about, guys? Like when you see those old um, classic B movies from Troma or, or other small independent studios back in the day. Um, there was a certain feeling that you got with those movies. You know, they, it, it was shock. It was it was it was uh, awesome. You know, it was gross. It was um, you know, there was just a lot of great feelings that came to mind when you uh, watched a lot of uh, Andy Kaufman's movies. You know, and that's that's I guess the biggest compliment I can give you guys. It, it gave me that feeling that I haven't had since since Toxic Avenger. Cool. Yeah, we'll take that compliment. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. No, that's awesome, dude. I'm I'm a huge trauma fan. I, I grew up on those films and um part of that's what really attracted me to this, you know, this character and, and script is this just totally out there, outrageous um concept, very much in, you know, the vein of like a trauma film where, you know, there's a lot of like what the fuck moments. Um and that's um and that's really part of its charm. You know, we never took ourselves seriously at all. I mean we have a lot of, um, um, you know, things in there that pokes fun at like reality TV and, and stuff. And, um, but you know, we, the, the characters are so outrageous. Um, and that was, and that was a lot of fun, man. So it's, it, it's great to hear that it resonated those, those feelings. And it, you know, it's just definitely, you know, who we made the film for was, you know, audiences of B movies and, and, and trauma and, and fun films like that. Who want to kick back, have a good time, laugh your ass off, and not, um, you know, not take yourself too seriously watching it, like like some people do, which is hilarious and really cracks me and Kevin up when people are really like analytical and, oh my god, I can't believe you did that, <laughs> which is which is fine, but um, but yeah, yeah, we definitely we definitely knew the audience we were making it for, and it's been received insanely well. There was uh, a scene at the beginning I'm not going to spoil that was super shocking. Uh, involving a female in in a field, yes, um, and yeah. it was. I thought it was one of the most hilarious things <laughs> that I've ever seen. Like, uh, I, I don't I don't want to spoil anything at all for for the audience that's listening. But uh, you, you just got to check it out and and just have fun with it because, like you said, uh, too many people take things too seriously. You know, I'm 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 guilty of that at times. I think uh, I take things too critically sometimes, but. With this movie, you can't you can't really look at it as uh, you can definitely look at it as a work of art, but you can't look at it as like a, an Oscar award winner. You know what I mean? Like it's not in that vein. You you just you just have to roll with it and have fun. You know, and, and yeah, it's pretty much just the intent. Just be entertained, really. I mean, that was really our goal from its inception is to just do something that's just entertaining. I mean, it's like. You know, jackass isn't gonna win anything. But right. it's, it's funny, right? You can't watch it and not be entertained. You can, I mean, you can be entertained in different ways. You can be grossed out. You can be appalled. But you know, it, it captures you somehow still. Yeah, this yeah. is that's a apt description of of the movie for sure. You know, you you're, you can't stop watching it. It's like a a train wreck in a good way. You know, it's just just awesome. You yeah, know, you get, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And we, uh, yeah, we definitely um, are excited for that. You know, and me and Kevin have talked about, you know, just like if, if this if this ever like became a cult, you know, classic type film, we'd be insanely happy with that, man. You know, we uh, 
you know, like I said, we definitely knew what we were, were making and, um, you know, we're able to t- tap into our audience in that, in that fashion as well, which is, which is really awesome. And, you know, to go back to what you're saying about the, you know, the beginning of the film, um, you know, one reviewer had mentioned, you know, like three, four minutes into the film with that scene you were mentioning, um, you definitely know what you're getting into and, and it sets the tone for the film and uh, of all our, of our, our screening and stuff that's, um, and, uh, people who've reviewed it. I mean, that, that really gets a lot of laughs, man. And, and people mention it. So that's good. I mean, out of the gate, we really set the tone for what kind of film this is. And, you know, if you're going to be offended or don't like it or, you know, might as well check out now cause it's only going to get worse. You know, it, it doesn't even, uh, let up from there you know i mean like you said three four minutes in you're you you can't help but but chuckle you know especially if you like those those type of uh independent b movie type type things but you know what i think really works guys is is the cast that you guys had um you know everybody that uh was in there had a very significant role and um they were just awesome. You know, I could go down the list. I mean, um, you know, Irene was great. Uh, and, and I looked up the IMDB guys and the makeup that you guys did on, on the budget that you had, according to IMDB, I don't, I don't know what you guys' budget was for the movie, but it, it, it seemed like you guys had a bigger budget than what, what it said on, on IMDB. Um, but the makeup alone <laughs> transformed, everybody into some something completely different yeah and i gotta say um it's actually the cast that's my most proudest feature of this um i i do i I like the makeup work but the makeup work to me is superficial it's the performance that really made these characters real and i think that's why as ridiculous as it is it almost seems real it almost seems like these people are living just a regular day in their life and a camera happens to be on them yeah Yeah. Um, and i owe that to the performances of everyone it really did turn out to be such an ensemble cast and i think that's what makes the film shine most of all heath was great in the movie i'm talking about cousin bumpkin Uh, And and that's an apt descriptor of the movie, too, Cousin Bumpkin. When you think of that, uh, you think of, like, uh, these backwards, backwoods hicks from, like, Alabama or, in this case, Colorado. Um, You know, and that's another thing I wanted to talk to you guys about. You know, um, I I thought it was hilarious um, that you guys poked fun at racism in the movie. You know, it was it was done in such a great way to show how stupid that, you know, that type of shit is, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. That, that definitely lends a lot to, you know, Kevin's screenwriting and, um, I think a combination of things. I know, um, kind of where Kevin's from and, mm-hmm. and, um, and yeah, you know, we did it, um, uh, what did somebody say? Like in a, in a, in a harmless fun yep. way, you know, while, while making it, while making it funny, you know, like the 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 ethnic diversity line is is hilarious with the with the teenagers <laughs> early on, and, he, and he's just calling each one out. He's calling out like like the meathead, the the, the closet sissy pants, yeah. um, you know, the the pretty boy, and yeah. So what's fun with that? It was fun with this film in general. It's, it's Hans himself has no problem dishing it back out. You know, he's he's got a little deformity and and, and a hump back, but he doesn't he doesn't let that 
you know, stop him or, or pity himself, feel sorry for himself. He's going to give it right back to you, whether you make fun of him or not, which is, which is funny. Um, I think, and it's just what a, what a, what a confident feller he is. Yeah. I was going to say, Kevin, like you, when you play that role, you didn't play it like you had a, a disability, you know, it was just you doing your thing. Right. And I think the point is, is like what makes Hans endearing is he's just he's completely oblivious to who he is. He has no social grace at all. Um, He's over the top. He's who he is. He says whatever he wants. He doesn't realize how just, you know, odd he is and how, you know, grotesque his lifestyle is. (laughs) But he doesn't care. The confidence makes you want to hang out with him anyways. And that's... um, and that's kind of true to the other characters too. They don't. They really don't see past who they are. They 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 are who they are, and that's it. And I I, I think that's what made them resonate with the audience so much. Yeah, you know, you yeah. There was a scene. I'm, this is a mini, tiny, teeny spoiler that's not going to take away from the film. But there was a scene where uh, Kevin, you're you're at the uh, 16th Street Mall, which is basically. Um, um, the only vehicles that can go on there for the audience that doesn't know what the 16th street mall is, is, uh, a bus line mm-hmm. and, uh, a walking route where you can go to different shops and, you know, there's people that are playing music, but, but Kevin, you, <laughs> I got to hand it to you, man. I don't, I don't know if I could have done it as an <laughs> actor, uh, going down 16th street mall full of people, just dancing your ass off in this full makeup garb, you know? Well, good thing for the makeup because I wouldn't have done that as myself. <laughs> it had to be in character, and what's funny about it is, you know, sometimes you're so like incognito, you, you don't feel like you anymore. So mm. it was fun, and it was fun to just get really candid responses from people. A lot of <laughs> onlookers avoided it, and then gave like over-the-shoulder glances, like. WTF, and then some people like actually did approach me, mm-hmm. and it was it was just fun just to be completely uh, unmitigated in public like that and just silly and over the top because you know I thought what would Hans do? So <laughs> there you yeah. have it. It was funny with that too is you know being 16th Street Mall, you see a lot of stuff going on down there mm-hmm. that it's like it's it's not too crazy to to think that you know maybe somebody really <laughs> is doing this and and has this uh, de- deformed. Uh, a hunchback that's exposed and going around crazy. I mean, <laughs> I, I like, yeah, I'm like, I could see something like that. I mean, it'd be a little more out of the norm, but I think that's what's funny. Like Kevin was saying, like the onlookers and watching people's reactions and stuff was hilarious. But a, a lot of people were just like, you know, kind of ignoring it too. Um, you know, because it was uh, it was so like awkward. But, <laughs> but that was funny. It was good not to see like a lot of people laughing because that that told me that it was. You know, you know, it was selling it, um, you know, with his back and stuff. Well, and a fun piece of trivia I don't think we've mentioned before is I caught up with um, someone in the bathroom later on. We we stopped so I could change, and he had seen me earlier, and I ran into him. I'm like, excuse me, in character still. He's like, oh, no, no, excuse me, sir. I said, <laughs> I'm just an actor. It's okay. And he just completely, like, changed his demeanor. He's like, wait, what? Really? That you're, that's you're not like that? I'm like, no. You're and doing I, your... I took the I took the teeth out and 
told him, like, this is all fake, man. And then all of a sudden he wants pictures. Like, he, you know, calls his friends back that were kind of, you know, mocking this earlier. He's like, guys, guys, we got to take a picture of this. This is some funny shit, man. So, so yeah, there you go. That was hilarious. Yeah, it was at the, uh, the Barnes & Noble down there on 16th Street yeah. when we were – either we were taking a break or I think we were done filming. Yeah. 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 So that was, uh, that, was, that was really hilarious. There were some funny moments like that. <laughs> Uh, next time, if you guys do a sequel, you got to go to uh, Colfax and do something like that. Oh man, I, I oh, man. yeah, yeah. Kevin uh, Hans would definitely blend in <laughs> on Colfax. That would be funny. And knowing Hans, he'll probably land himself a hooker while he's while oh, he's on Colfax. Hell yeah, you know? man. Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, about the production how how long did it take to make the movie? Like, I'm I'm always curious. Like on independent. Uh, you know, movies, how long they take, they're usually shorter shoots, you know, with a limited budget. What, what was the true budget, uh, Jimmy? So, the, um, production took about seven months, um, from, from pre-production to, to, to our last day of filming. And then the remaining time, um, was a uh, post-production and we just, officially finished on um, on February 9th. So just over a year from from pre-production to um, completion and post-production. Mm-hmm. Um, budget, you know, I, 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 I feel we definitely stayed in really close to, to five grand. Um, Kevin can touch upon that a little bit better, though, um, being being the producer. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, I think um... – I kind of estimated it'd be around five grand, but I didn't really want to define what the budget was going to be because then I would have felt very restrained. I would have felt like I had to cut back every step of the way to follow within that budget, and I just didn't want to do that. So, so much of it was just straight out of pocket. Actually, really, all of it was. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, it's my guess we fell into that ballpark. Luckily, our locations were free locations we developed quite a rapport with a lot of people that let us shoot on their property so we didn't have any um issue we didn't have any red tape with any of that we didn't have any fees or anything so we got off pretty easy there and then the biggest um issue for me cost wise was the effects i mean Foam latex itself is a very expensive material, mm-hmm. and Mama's makeup was foam latex heavy. I mean, her arms and face alone required quite a bit of the material, and, like, her face had to be made fresh every single time. Mm-hmm. Did a new shoot on her. Um, several times I had to buy silicone to make molds of things. Th- that's, I think, what added up. I think I would attribute the bulk of the cost to that. And it probably fell, you know— Maybe in the seven thousand range when all things were said and done. I I, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm I'm being completely honest. I I know it was a low budget movie, but it, I I didn't expect it to um, the budget to run at five to seven. I mean, it looks like easily a twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar you know setup. So um, props to you guys. I mean, uh, it's, it's obvious that you guys have talent when it comes to stage production and, uh, choice of, of scenery. You know, there's, there's no question that, um, uh, on that end, it, it, it definitely hit, hit the mark. Well, Thanks, one man. thing that I think was one of our strengths is that since 
I'm involved in the haunted houses here, I feel like I had access to several actors. So anytime I need like zombie extras, I had a pool of actors I could pull from. And they're already like they're seasonal zombies anyway, so they know what to do and how. And also I had access to a makeup room at the shop as well. Um, so if I needed to like say borrow an airbrush, I could, if I needed to um, go into the shop and mold something, I could. So, I mean, I, I had a lot of perks that I think helped this production that if I didn't have, then we would have had a problem for sure. Yeah. No, it, it, I mean, you made the best with what you had, Kevin. There's, there's no question about it. How, how did uh, the cast come together? The cast, um, well, the, I'll start with the doctor. Um, I know him already through the haunted house because he's one of the actors. He's like the greeter at the asylum, and he already is a doctor character. And I always wanted Hans to have a relationship with some kind of weird psychopathic doctor. So it's like I asked Ryan, I'm like, hey, would you be down to be in this film with me? And he was. So he kind of already had his part. He kind of already created his own character before I called for it. Um, I saw that and I just wanted it. So um, we did refine it because before he just had a pullover mask. So when he was down for the movie, we customized something for him. And then when it came to the other characters, my only other straight go-to was Heath Hine. Because I thought with Cousin Bumpkin, I need someone over-the-top silly and I don't know who I'm going to get. And then I couldn't believe I didn't think of Heath in the first place because we work together. And he's just – he'll crack you up all day. So – I went straight to him. I think my hesitation was that um, I had done drawings of Cousin Bumpkin previously and some comic strips I had started. And I didn't know anyone that looked like that because he's got just a really, like, messed up face. And he's, you know, I figure whoever I'm going to cast, I'll just have to transform him. And then for the other characters, there was a, a casting call and auditions. And um, the people that landed their parts obviously just nailed it when they came and they read some some cold lines so i mean that's really how it came together it i mean the cast had a lot of chemistry i mean uh, i i i can't tell the audience enough how um engaged they were with one another you know every scene um uh, that you guys did with each other it seemed like you guys really chewed up your own piece of the scenery you know, it was it was just great. Um, yeah. And- what was nice with that was, um, you know, it was, it was funny from early on when we did our our table read. You know, initially I was going to have us all sit around and, and just kind of read through it cold and straight. And um, but the actors had already had like their interpretation of the character and how they kind of want to deliver the lines. And and um, they all just started reading in, in, in character. So I was like, we got to go with this. This is awesome. And that really set. The, uh, the the tone and foundation, I think, for a lot of the, you know, the, the character decisions as far as how they're going to sound and things like that. Um, yeah, and we had a lot of fun um, with with that with that table read, and then you know that really, you know, lent in. You know, I'd be like, yeah, you know, keep let's keep doing that, or you know, add this in there to the to the character. But for the most part, even throughout production, you know, there was. Um, it, it was it was fun, you know. I feel as a director, you know, you don't always have to to over direct your actors. You know, you just got to be observant, and if you got, you know, if you can see they got a good good handle and take on the character, you can, you know, you know, try this, try that. But um, 
but that's what that was really great too was giving the actors you know the freedom and everybody in general to contribute an idea or you know hey let's try that or or i think this would be funny and and heath hine was 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 really uh prominent with that he's he is a hilarious actor and, and great improv and and everybody did so well with with their improv um and and feeding off each other as, as you had mentioned and that really really had shined what was yeah. fun with this script is you know it's originally 60 pages and as, as we i like that a lot because that did give us a lot of room for creative freedom and and being able to improv scenes and and things like that and as we went kevin would kind of add in the extra improv bits into this into this script and that you know it fleshed it out to you know 80 a little over 80 pages um yeah so i i'm i'm very proud of the of the cast and the, and the talent on this and and the and the crew um and it really shows i think we're talking with kevin ward and jimmy lee combs of the movie hans crippleton talk to the hans um kevin you you have a lot of credits on the movie you acted, you produced, you screen wrote. I mean, this this is what independent um, movies are all about, right? I mean, this is this is the crux of what a lot of people are trying to do out there. You know, a lot of creative uh, freedom. You know, mm-hmm. to do what you want to do when you have full full control over what you're doing. And you too, Jimmy. You know, as a director, I mean, you you know, you guys had a lot of freedom in in an ind- independent movie to do what you wanted and not have a big studio tell you what to do. And that's what's so rewarding about this, because like as an artist, you want to leave your own footprint behind that is completely you. Um, and, and you know it's it's nice to have a co-pilot too, like somebody that like works with you and wants to have a unique and original uh, original vision realized without having a big production and without having people telling you what needs to do or having people tell you what's sellable and what isn't. Um, and, and so that that is the allure of independent films. I mean, it's it's why we love doing what we do. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and and to add add to that, it it is it is really freeing, and especially you know when you can invest your own money into it, like like Kevin has. I mean, you you really don't have to answer to anybody at that point. You know, it's like, hey, it's my money. I can do what I want, and and we did. It was great, man. Nothing nothing was off limits. It was a it was a joy. And you know, when you wear you know multiple hats, I think that is a a big part of of really really like kind of low budget independent filmmaking you know like you said i i directed the film and 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 did the editing um kevin kevin even went as far as taking on some visual effects too and, and learning um after effects and we had another visual effects guy that helped us in post and we had a sound mixer but yeah we kept it we kept it all really really limited with our you know combined um skill sets but it but it's it's yeah, when we love we love working that way too. You know, obviously, if if things ever ever grew and we and we got like a bigger budget or you know or, or got to work on a bigger scale project, we'd be all for that. But we're you know we're definitely not gonna you know sit around and and, and wait for opportunities. We definitely want to create those. And you know, as an independent filmmaker, you can. And and it's an amazing time to be an independent filmmaker. You know, if if you're passionate enough and driven enough and and serious enough about being a filmmaker. You can get a you know a camera on the cheap an SLR, um, you know you can get a decent microphone and uh, an audio recording equipment. 
and and go out there and shoot your film. You know, c- combine like-minded individuals and and um, and cast your film, and and you can do it all on the on the cheap. Yeah, and, for sure. um, and 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 it's an, it's amazing, man. And you can do it you know, everything like a big studio picture. You can do you know from pre-production to post-production to seeking distribution, and now with all the video on demand and online platforms. Um, it, it truly is an exciting time to be a, a filmmaker and now more than ever. Um, you know, th- there's, there's no excuse why somebody wanting to be a filmmaker and passionate about it. Can't, um, make it happen. Absolutely. Uh, I got a question for you on the acting side of it, Kevin, how the hell did all of you guys keep a straight face during the whole movie? I, 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 <laughs> Not I, I mean, did, did you guys have to do take after take? Because that, when I look at comedies and I see like the um, uh, what do they call them, like the gag reel and stuff, we're gonna I, have a gag reel. <laughs> I I can't imagine going through this movie and not just laughing your ass off scene to scene. You know, it, it did happen a lot, and I actually think I'm the one that broke most of the time because <laughs> I'm used to what I do. Nothing. I do portraying Hans cracks me up. It cracks other people up and I can keep a straight face through that. But seeing this other cast come together to compliment Hans as his family, their shenanigans were always like bringing me to tears almost. And I, I actually think it was me that, that broke more times than they did. Um, and, and we did a few times we'd have to like reshoot something or someone would laugh and our teeth would fall out. That happened a lot. Um, <laughs> one in particular, I think we're all dying is when, um, is the milk squirt scene at the dinner table. Oh man. <laughs> Somehow, luckily I was not in that shot. I was behind the camera kind of puppeteering <laughs> and there were, I, I think four other people in the room behind the camera and we're dying. I, it was so hard to get through that. Somehow Irene, Katie, and Heath pulled it together because it's actually a serious scene. It's mm-hmm. a serious topic. You know, Hans is – well, it's a serious scene, and um, the dialogue was serious as such. But then they just throw in this um, – a you know, this funny thing right in the middle, which actually was never scripted. That was also improv. <laughs> it was so freaking funny. I – I thought, like, I had to stifle my laughter. I thought I was going to piss my pants. I almost <laughs> did. And then when we called cut, then we were just all rolling. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely a good example of, a, of you know, like I was mentioning, you know, if, if someone, one of us had something to, you know, an idea to throw out there, you know, as, as we're shooting it. And th- that was the scene. I, w- I think that was probably the scene I had laughed my ass off the most behind the camera. I, I can't believe I got through shooting that. But it was it was one of those things where, you know, sis was squirting the milk into the into the bowl um and then i'm like well let's squirt it at, at, at heath and then and then heath went it with it as as bumpkin and then we rolled and he's like give me some titties sissy. and then she starts squirting the uh the the udder with at, at, at heath and he's and he's drinking it but like kevin said you know what was so fun and funny about that is you know it, it leads to a it's it's a serious scene but that that bit in there right before is is, is hilarious and and again it, I think I think it works well too because it does kind of keep things funny even when we are going in a, in a serious direction for for a moment there. Hmm. There's there are moments of of uh, uh, you know just seriousness uh, in in this madness that is Hans Crippled in the movie man it, it's. 
It, it's good. Let's talk a little bit about the plot. I mean, this is the reason why uh, you guys are on DMT. We're obviously a show about uh, zombies and stuff like that. Talk a little bit about the plot of the movie so people kind of get a sense of what, what we're talking about here. Um, well, like I said, there kind of already was a story element established already, and that's the fact that Hans is a traveling icon, works for Hunter Houses, all that. So since he's kind of this um, – He's, since he's kind of a small-scale celebrity, it's like, well, what if there was like something that documented his stardom? And then if that happens, you want to know his background. So that means there's got to be a family involved. There's got to be a home life involved. And then with that, you're going to need a narrator. So it's like, who? Well, what's the character type that could contrast this these Hicks from the Sticks the most? And you know, I thought this cheeky Englishman hosting this horror show would be perfect. But if it's a horror show, there's got to be a horror element in there, and zombies is hot right now, so we went with zombies. And also, it would um, serve as an explanation as to why you know why why is Hans good at what he does? Well, because he grew up amongst real life horror his whole life, so like he knows how to bring it. He knows how to like bring authenticity to a haunted house. So it's like. Um, it's all that rolled into one, really. So, I mean, I think there's a plot A, which is Hans's fame, his lifestyle. And I think there's a plot B, which is this zombie curse that's inhabiting their home. And I think plot A is almost um, – it's destructive to plot B because Hans is so wrapped up in his life. He really doesn't care about this destruction that's destroying the home life because um, he's a star. Well, what does he care, right? <laughs> Um, I mean, really, that, that's it. I mean, that's that's the plot right there. And we wanted it to be something that's just like it's not plot heavy. It's more of a day in the life. And that's why there are so many like cutaway jokes. Um, and that's also because originally this was going to be a, a comic strip series. So there were a lot of jokes written that were meant to be like three panel jokes. That's why so many times in the film. There's a setup, then a quick delivery, then setup, quick delivery, because, um, yeah, all those jokes were written for another purpose. And then since they're all cataloged, I decided, well, if we're going to have a film about this, why not just use all these jokes here instead? Um, the zombie hangman was one of them. The um, right to bear arms was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so many of those little minor things. Yeah, what's great with that, where that lends itself so well to to, to film, is the is the setups and payoffs in, in film. I, I personally really enjoy. I love seeing something, and then you know maybe a minute later or down the road in the film, there's a there's a payoff to it. Um, you know, kind of like an Alien Ripley. You know, we see that that big cool yellow suit. And then later on, she gets in that yellow mechanical thing, and she's battling the alien with it. And uh, that was a cool setup and, and, and payoff in that. And and it, it was a joy that, to see all those those setups and payoffs in like in like a joke form, you know, like he was saying, lending from the uh, the uh, the comic strip. And I gotta say too, Kevin, I think that was probably the best I've I've heard heard us explain this this film or heard you explain <laughs> the film because it's it's that outrageous that even even we have a hard time right. sometimes explaining to people it, uh, it, what it, it is or, or summarizing the plot so uh um, that really, was very well yeah it's really unique um you know i i can't say that i mean i i you know people have heard me on dmt you know over the years talk about you know there's there's really no room for originality because that 
it's the same stories over and over. It's just how you tell them, right? There's only like seven different plot lines you can follow, you know, it's revenge and whatever, you know. Um, but you guys have managed to bring about a film that, that will stick with people, uh, because of its originality. You know, there's, there's nothing like it out there. I mean, like the closest I could come up with was something like toxic, toxic Avenger, even though they're completely separate films, you know, it's just, just the way that it is. And that, and that's, that's something to be proud of for sure, because I'm telling you in the zombie genre, there there are so many knockoffs, ripoffs of anything you know that Romero did that it, it's it's pretty sickening at at times, uh, pun intended. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 true, man. You know, one one reviewer had said, you know, this it's definitely the the refreshing kick up the arse uh, from United Kingdom that um, that the zombie subgenre needed, and that was. Um, Another thing that attracted me to you know to this project and, and, and script was the uniqueness um, of this, and, and especially as we, as we filmed it and looking at the at the finished product, you know I can honestly say we, you know we did something different with uh, with the zombie genre and not the uh, you know the run of the mill zombie films that are out there, and and some of them are really good, but you know a, a lot of them too you know it's it's like oh gosh. Yeah. You know, this is, this is really bad or, you know, I've, I've yeah. seen this a million times before. Oh, shit, here's another zombie film, you know, and, and we love zombies and, and zombie films. And, of course, George Romero and Lucio Fulci, um, those are those are I'm big fans of their work. And speaking of them real quick, it, there's actually, um, you know, a nod to George Romero in the in the in the film that uh, that we'll see if audiences pick up on. And then a, a more obscure one to George Romero and Lucio Fulci um, with like their initials. Um, so it'd be fun to see how many people pick up on that. But, you know, we definitely wanted to, you know, you know, be respectful to the zo- zombie genre. And, um, and and I think a big way we did that was by doing something different um, with it. Yeah. And I want to go back to something because I think, uh, you know, a plot – it is essential, but the plot doesn't have to be everything. I think a lot of times in storytelling, there's too much emphasis on the plot and not enough on the characters because I think stories that resonate with people aren't the ones that had the most brilliant plot. You're not going to really recall a movie that way as much as you will a movie that had memorable one-liners or really unique characters. I mean, those those are the things that stick with you more. more. Mm-hmm. Than, than what the plot did. And I think this movie is a lot like that. And it's kind of like, it reminds me of Napoleon Dynamite because there's very little plot in it. But um, the characters, they're, they're just funny. Yeah. It, neat. It's a day in the life, you know, de- and that's kind of what this is. Definitely character driven. That That's one, you know, big positive I can say. It, now, the version that you guys were, um, you know, that you guys were so generous to let me view is that the final version that we're going to see out um, on demand, on DVD, Blu-ray, et cetera? Yeah, man. You know, we, we signed off on it, um, you know, with with the exception of a, of a tweak or two here and there, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. And if it's going to be a tweak, it might be like, you know, maybe a low the audio a little bit there type thing. Mm. But um, but but that's it, man, before final 
mm-hmm. before final release. So I mean, you're yeah, you you basically saw the the final version. That's awesome, man. Um, like I, I I promised you guys a, a criticism because it's always important to get criticism. The only criticism that I had with the movie is that I, I thought it maybe have ran maybe five to ten minutes too long. But that's just, I mean, that's just because you guys had so much to to do. Um, on on tape you know you guys just just had to do it and get it out there i mean that's a very minor criticism that i have yeah no dude that that's great man and and honestly i mean like that's like the 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 biggest bash of the film we'll we'll definitely take it you know we 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 have been mindful of that with the, with the runtime, you know, originally um at, at the end at the end of the film um all, all the kind of uh, montage scenes or kind of where they are now scenes were going to all play out and then the credits would run. And that, that took it definitely over an hour and 40 minutes. Um, so what we ended up doing with, with, with hearing that constructively from, from viewers and from our test screening is we thought of a way, um, to technically end the film at the hour and 32 mark. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, then, combine those montage clips into the credits so you know you see you see a clip of what's going on then the credits will continue to scroll they'll continue to scroll while the you know the screen is smaller showing what's going down and so we figured that would be a good way to kind of um try and make everybody happy um where you know it's hour 32 if people want to get up and walk out you know don't want to (laughs) sit through the credits they can but if they do want to sit through the credits they're going to be treated to um, some kind of where are they now mm-hmm. uh, footage. And, and honestly, man, it, it's one of those things where, you know, some people were like, oh, man, I wish I wish there was there was more. I want more Hans. And then there, there's others that that feel it did run a tad bit too long. And, um, yeah, so, you know, we, we definitely wanted to um, to not ignore that by any means. And, yeah. and so that's kind of how we we ended up trying to. To, to help with that, it, it, um, with the runtime, it has to be super hard as as a director, as an actor, producer to to cut stuff. It just it just has to be. I'm sure you guys left a, a few things on the cut, cutting room floor. It was man. We were like the initial first rough cut. I think was like two hours and nine minutes. Mm. Then we kept like getting it down to like an hour fifty minutes. I think like an hour, you know, forty seven minutes, and mm. then you know down to an hour and 39 minutes overall, you know, and then, you know, kind of incorporating that hour 32 mark, you know, for those, you know, we told our story and, you know, but you're going to be rewarded if, if you sit through the, you know, the remaining like seven minutes with, with credits and, and getting that extra, mm-hmm. extra footage. But, but it, it is hard, man. And it's, it's funny. Kevin, Kevin Smith is kind of an, an inspiration mm-hmm. for that. And I always go back and listen to one of his interviews, you know, and he just says that, you know, he, you know, he really prides himself on being able to just like, no, like suck the soul out of his, his his films and cut it and chop it and you know I shouldn't say suck the soul out of, you know because it's still in there but you know but he, but he meant by that you know it's just like really chopping it it down and and, and being okay with letting go of scenes yeah. and and it was hard you know and I, um you know sometimes there was something I, I i wanted to maybe try and keep or it was a little harder to let go of and, and and kevin was able to be like yeah you know i think it should go or we should chop it um and and that helped a lot because it is hard to see some things go, or you know we would look at things and be like, okay, we can put this in a, in in a, in a gag reel, or you know this extended scene, we can cut it here, and then we can put the remaining bit in a gag reel or or deleted scenes, and 
it, it's going to make for really fun special features, um, and we have a lot of those planned um, and stuff from the from the cutting room floor. Got a couple more questions for you guys. Uh, number one, uh, sequel. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a maybe. I, I think people would be down again, but uh, yeah, I think gotta let some dust settle first. Yeah, for sure. And one one thing we've been doing in the meantime to kind of um, you know to keep pleasing our fans and stuff of, of, of the film. And because we just love these characters so much, you know, with our, with our movie website, you know, we're going to, you know, we're treating it as a way to kind of expand on the universe of Hans and, and get people coming for, for new content. So we, um, we've been doing these little webisodes and we shot our first one this past Christmas. I have to send you the link if you haven't seen it yet. It's a Crippleton Christmas crashers. It's a, it's a five minute uh, skit short, and it has uh, Cousin Bumpkin and Hans Crippleton in this uh, in this person's house, and they're going through their presents. And they're, uh, this little boy, he's thinking it's Santa Claus, and he goes downstairs, and he's with his mom. And to their surprise, it's not Santa. It's 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 Hans and and uh, Cousin Bumpkin um, doing their shenanigans, and and it's hilarious. You know, another thing we we want to do with um, with one legged one legged sis, we. Uh, talked about doing like a uh, like a prefer- a perfume commercial. It'll be like maybe like black and white, and her, <laughs> her her lipstick is in red and it pops, and you know her hair's blowing, and she you know because Katie's a very pretty girl, mm. and um, so yeah, so all of that, and then like she smiles and we see the teeth, and then you know we do a wide and we see you know she's got the one leg, um, so yeah, so 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 yeah, so we want to do fun stuff like that with these characters through through webisodes. And um, yeah, I could absolutely see see it leading leading into a into a sequel at, at some point. Me and Kevin have kind of kicked around some some fun ideas for that. Final question for you guys: When when can we expect to see it, like on demand uh, or on DVD, etc.? Absolutely, man. You know that's um, it's it really depends on a lot of factors. To be honest, you know we have. Hans Crippleton out in the festival circuit right now where um, we've entered a bunch of festivals and we're hoping to, to make a splash on the festival scene. Um, I'm, I'm reaching out to distributors um, as well. And, and we, we've heard back from one already expressing interest in, in seeing the film, which is really exciting. So, you know um, yeah, man, there's, there's different factors, you know, there's a chance it could land a a traditional distribution deal, you know, where it's, you know, it's like in Walmart and Target and Barnes and Noble, um, which would be phenomenal. And, and ideally if we're able to, to keep the uh, digital rights to the film and, and put it, get it on iTunes and, and Amazon and do it, do it that way. Um, you know, we, we could be seeing Hans as, as soon as the end of this year um, on, on digital platforms. So not a, not a hundred percent sure on a release date because there's some big, some big factors that could go into that, which is really exciting. But, um, but at the end of the day, our, our plan B would be total self distribution as well. You know, we would um, go through like create sprays, create the DVDs, get it on all the online platforms. Um, but um, but we're we're exploring all our options. Yeah, that that sounds awesome, man. I wish you guys the best of luck on that. Um, uh, Kevin and Jimmy, you guys have been really awesome. Is there any any shout outs and what we call headshots that you want to give out there to anybody in particular? Um, I definitely want to thank all the the cast and crew, man. Um, 
you know, as Kevin talked earlier, we it just it, it wouldn't have been as strong a, a film or, or as fun to shoot if we didn't have the right actors in place. And they're all very, very insanely talented and, and still active with their with their acting careers and and, you know, pursuing them. Um, their film careers. Um, so, so a big thank you to our cast and crew, all the zombie extras, everybody involved with our, with our film. There's, um, there's been a, a really great following for this and, and a handful of supporters that have really been um, put, help, helping us push the film. Um, thy, thy demons be scribbling. I want to thank them. They they are huge supporters of us and, and always helping us promote. Um, Amore Sloan with Malvolent Magazine. Um, he's been a great supporter as well. Um, the awesome folks over at the Horror Mansion. Um, they're they're really great and fun on the on Twitter and the uh, and the forums. Um, Another gentleman, Kirian, with Attack of the Couch Potato. He's been awesome and uh, and a great supporter of the Hans. And I feel bad because I'm sure there's some people I'm leaving out at the moment. But um, but they, they know who they are, and I'm, I can't thank you guys enough for That's the support. Awesome. That's awesome. Kevin? I definitely want to repeat a thank you to cast and crew. Definitely all of our families, our peers, our supporters, our um there, there are so many. So it, it would, I'd be here all day thanking people. But I also want to mention that the thirteenth floor was definitely instrumental in helping us get this done. LFX, Twisted Trails Ranch, um, Galena's casting too. It's a, it's a great, it's a great page on Facebook we have here that um, really enables us to find some great talent. So I, I think that deserves a shout also. Yeah, that's great. Anything else, guys? Um, a thank you to my wife for not leaving me during the <laughs> filming, just because there was there were some crazy long days and some fun, uh, some fun moments there. So I always I always joke about that. And uh, my parents, of course. Um, yeah, and my two beautiful children for for being born. I love them to death. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, I want to thank you guys so much for joining DMT to talk about Hans Crippleton. Um, you know, I, if you guys get it out there, I hope uh, the our audience checks it out. It's definitely worthwhile. I had the uh, pleasure of watching it, and I definitely give it a ringing endorsement. So uh, when it's out there, you guys definitely check it out. Check out the website, Hans Crippleton Movie. There's a lot of little... Um, pictures and you know little little things that you can find on on the website um, you know make sure you check it out when it comes out these guys did a really bang up job on uh, a really wor- worthwhile original independent movie so thank you guys so much for joining we we really really appreciate the interview awesome thanks so much for having us frank yeah. man we uh, appreciate it and, and hope to come on again soon yeah no problem take care thank you all right, Jack. It's about that time. Do you uh, do you think it's time for headshots? I do indeed. All right. All right, Jack. You're up. Um, you know, I think I've got one big one, at least for me. Um. And that is, uh, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I, I, uh, I have put together 
a collaboration um, or, or what's going to be an anthology mm-hmm. of zombie stories. Um, the book is going to be called Middletown Apocalypse. Um, and I have managed to pull together a group of A-list writers. Um, uh, I've got myself, Brent Abel, Armand Rosamelia, Mark Tufo, Heath Stalkup, Mike Evans, Sean Chesser, Eric Shellman, John O'Brien, Jay Wilburn, and Joe McKinney. And um, we are, uh, I came up, I don't remember where I came up with this idea, but I want, always wanted to know what it would be like if I took a collection of really good writers and said, we're all going to write the same story and see how it turns out. Ooh, that's an interesting idea. And, and it's well, effectively what I've done is I've said, here's point, you're going to, I'm going to give you point A and point Z, mm-hmm. and you're going to write the story between them. It's going, all the stories are going to start the same way and they're going to end the same way. And how you, how you get there is up to you, you know, use your voice. And, you know, so far, um, the stories are pretty phenomenal and, uh, people are really, they're already going, when is this going to come out? Um, I believe it's going to be out this summer. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm just, you know, being included with some of these guys is, 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 pretty phenomenal um you know i've looked up to these writers for a long time and and they're all they're all really cool dudes and um it's nobody's done anything like this yet so and and i'm hoping if it's a success i'm gonna we're gonna keep doing them and we're gonna keep not doing them in each state but the intent is kind of a, an a, a stereotype of, of a state, which is why I started with Middletown because, um, and it's going to be set in Indiana, a place called Middletown, Indiana, which doesn't exist, but middle, um, Muncie, Indiana was the city that was used in the Middletown studies, mm-hmm. which kind of studied Middletown generic America. Yeah. So that was kind of, I wanted to know what it would be like for a small town, which I grew up in a small town grew. I wanted to know what it would be like if a small town, was where the apocalypse began. The premise sounds fantastic, Jack, for sure. It sounds really, really cool. Any any other uh, headshots? Um, well, you know, there's always my wife. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's always that. Um, also, um, this weekend I'll be in Memphis with uh, Mid South Con. Hmm, um, that's I'll right. be on. I'll be heading up. Not heading up, but I'll be on three panels, and I'll be in Pro Row. On Saturday, um, I'll be there the whole time. So if you're there, look me up. We'll hang out, chat. Um, and uh, I know that I'll be hanging out with some other fellow zombie writers. So I, I think it'll be a good time. Yeah. Check 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 out there for sure. Um, he won't bite, I promise. <laughs> no, May- not hard. Not hard anyways. <laughs> unless, well, <clears throat> unless that's what you want. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, my headshots also to my wife, uh, Jack. Uh, without our spouses, where would be would where would we be? You know, in all honesty, um, I want to throw out a special headshot to the Nothing to Lose movie crew. Uh, thank you for the information. Thank you for getting me those stills. I'll try to put a link so people can check out the. Um, the production actually looks really good on the animated. There's not a ton of good animated zombie flicks out there. So make sure you check that out. should be out later this year, early next year. 
Um, to Jimmy Lee Combs and Kevin Ward for being fantastic interviews and, um, you know, giving me early access to Hans Crippleton, the, uh, I, there's no way to describe it, but wacky. It's just a wacky Zomcom with tons of hilarity gore. Oh. I mean, it's just, just fun. So, uh, make sure you check out Hans Crippleton on, uh, the internet. Just look it up on Google. Um, and again, thanks to those guys. Thank you to all the listeners. You guys absolutely fucking rock. Did you have anything else, Jack? No. Um, you know, you're right. Listeners and readers and viewers, if it weren't for them, we wouldn't be doing what we do. Yep. All right. Always uh, support. Always support your arts. Absolutely. All right. I think with that, we can safely lay this episode to rest, Jack. Mm-hmm. The normal question, the first question is always, are these cannibals? They are not cannibals. Cannibalism in the true sense of the word implies an interspecies activity. These creatures cannot be considered They prey on humans. No more room in hell. The dead will walk here. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.